This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 61, recorded on the 18th of December, 2013. Today's topic, Ask Me Anything. If you would like easy, automatic, and free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes, the BlackBerry Podcast Directory, or the Stitcher app. Search for Camp Hacker. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored in part by the Camp Owners and Directors Association. You provide quality camp experiences for children, helping them grow and gain independence. We help you achieve your vision. Check us out at campownersanddirectors.com. And by the amazing support of camp pros like you. We'd like to take a moment to thank our listeners who've become patrons of Camp Hacker. If you'd like to show your support and earn some cool rewards, go to patreon.com slash camphacker. Today, we want to thank our patrons. We cannot do this without your support. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker Show. Hello, Camp Pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker Podcast. My name is Travis Allison. I run a blog about running a great summer camp at camphacker.tv. Hi, my name is Dan Weir. I'm the Director of Camping Services at Frost Valley YMCA. Uh, Frost Valley is a year-round camp conference education facility about two and a half hours from Manhattan, and this was my 17th summer working in the summer camp. And uh, my name is Gabrielle, and I'm one of the directors at Camp Waro. And Camp Waro is an all-girls camp situated in the mountains in the Laurentians of Quebec. And my name is Joe Richards. I'm the executive director at Pierce Williams Christian Centre, which is located about uh, 24 hours by plane from Sydney, Australia, and uh, <laughs> part of the United Church of Canada Camping Network. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's good to have you back, Joe. Thanks. Yeah, it's good to be back. What uh, what was the highlight of your trip? Um, I think the highlight for Matthew and I would be the last night we did the Bridgney, the Sydney Bridge climb. Um, so you actually walk up the Sydney Harbour Bridge, um, and that was certainly a highlight. Matthew was, um, I it, it took the whole trip to sort of he was into it, and then he wasn't, and then he was, and then. Um, the day before we walked over the bridge, we took the train over the bridge. We, I did everything to acclimatize that guy to this big chunk of steel. And then we get it, we pay and he's all excited to go. So we pay the day before and then we show up the next night and we're doing the last walk of the night, uh, or of the daytime walk. So it's 525. So if we don't go on it, we're, we're screwed. We're on a plane the next morning at 1155. We're not doing anything else. Um, and as we go into the room, he starts crying. And I'm like, dude, I've paid $150 for you to do this. And I've paid $260 for me to do this. So right. let's get it on. Um, and then, but they were really great. And it was uh, it was an awesome experience. He, he only cried for that first little bit. And then he, you know, the group talked to him. And, um, and there was another kid, 11-year-old named Matt, on the climb as well from Colorado. So I think that really helped. And it was just, a, that was certainly the highlight of, of stuff. Like, we did a lot of stuff. The night before, we actually went to a show at the Sydney Opera House, which is different than just going to the Sydney Opera House. If you go to a show, and we saw the full symphony um, and a jazz pianist, playing Gershwin and um, I love Gershwin stuff so that was uh, a really awesome experience um, 
and just uh, Australia in in general, forty days, uh, um, fifteen camps, and and just the way that camps were so welcoming and outdoor ed centers were so welcoming, and um, I really wished in that I'd had more time to spend with Marie because um, I only got to spend half a day with her. But that what they're doing at Man Young, which is a YMCA camp just south of Melbourne, is uh, is is game changing and that's one of the, those are the things i was looking for so that's awesome um, we've been in contact since i've since i've come back and so um there's lots of camps that are doing stuff that is worthwhile and, and tons of ideas i need to um when i was over there i i traveled with my um little black book uh joe's australian notes watch out for koalas um, and it has all of the camps I visited and, and all of the information and, and thoughts and questions and, and plus I tracked all my days. So it was, it was good. I did get an email just yesterday. Um, apparently I got a speeding ticket and so now oh. I need to pay the company that I rented the van from 70 bucks plus the speeding ticket. All right. So, Yeah. Well, this this is the trip that keeps paying, Joe. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. So it was good. That's awesome. Well, we look forward to hearing more of your insights in the coming months from on the shows and and on your blog and stuff. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Today we're going to do what we started last year doing uh, an Ask Me Anything show. And I've put out questions or put out a call for questions in a couple of different places, certainly from the Camp Pros and um, questions to the Camp Hacker newsletter list. And people are have sent in some questions. So we're going to all take a crack at some of these. Um, I wanted to bring on some other hosts, um, past hosts for the show to add some new voices to this. But my apologies. I've just had technical difficulties getting that running. And so that's not going to happen. I know that some people were hoping to watch us live which would have been amazing. And we hope to be able to return to live shows starting next, um, starting in January. So next month we should be returning to live shows. We think we figured out the technological problem. So today for um, Ask Me Anything, we'll go with the, the questions that people have sent in. Um, the one I want to start with is pretty simple. It's from Jared Hennick. Hennick. Sorry, Jared, I've only read your name. I haven't heard it. Um, <laughs> although, I think um, Jared and I have met, but I didn't catch his last name. How to pronounce his last name. So, Jared, sorry. Um, do you have a dress code at your camp, and how do you enforce it? Um, and I think that this is um, not so much about staff uniform, but about the dress code for your campers and staff. Um, and he goes on to say... Um, what are the best practices and strategies to encourage reasonable standards without being prudish or draconian? Um, Gab, how does this sort of stuff work out at a girls' camp? Um, I was going to say, I like the last word, draconian. <laughs> draconian, yeah. Um, <clears throat> how does it work? Uh, basically, our policy is that you have to be ready to play at all times in whatever you're wearing. And uh, that's, that seems to be a very good standard. Um, <clears throat> that means like running, that means getting down and rolling in the grass. Anything basically, uh, you, you have to be ready to play. And um, we are an all-girls camp, and um, uh, so I'm very open with our staff, and I'm very open with like 
when I walk into the lodge, I don't want to see a sea of butt cracks. It's just <laughs> so, un if you have to get granny panties to hide that, that's fine. But I don't want to see it, like it's not appropriate. And there's a lot of, and fashion changes very rapidly, especially um, for women. And so uh, right now what's in is the ridiculously short um, um, shorts that basically your butt hangs out. So like you, you just have to know what's coming for the summer and be like, hey, did you see this new trend? It's not happening at camp. <laughs> <laughs> so and it's the same with like, it's same with your top. Like you don't want to see uh, if you're bending over your bra, you know, these are, there's just certain things that you don't want to see. And then it's of course like everything is G-rated, whatever is written on your shirt. So it, it just has to be G-rated. So if there's any advertisement for something that's not G-rated, then it can't, it can't be on your top. But that's basically what we say. So you just have to be ready to play at all times. And um, if they're not, I'm just like, are you, this is not ready to play. And I just say it. And they go get changed. Right. So, and that, yeah. And the, the, the ready to play um, avenue is really, is a really easy concept for, for staff to get behind. Um, you know, it's, it's a functionality. It's not a, a comment on their, uh, on their taste. Um, and I, I think that's the most important to not seem draconian is to, that yeah. you, you have a fundamental in that sense. But, um, you know, I, I know a lot of camps that won't hire people because they have tattoos and they won't hire people because they have hair dye. And, um, and I think that kind of rolls in the same, same thing as, um, you know, I always tell staff, if you're comfortable with who you are, I'm comfortable with you. You know, I, and that, I, I've hired you for a reason. At the same point in time, you need to be a positive role model and, and, and be ready to play in that sense. So, yeah. yeah. How about for you, Joe? Um, we have uh, we have a general policy. It's funny because I've never had to enforce it. Um, you know, it, ready to play is a great way to state it, but I think that what we do is more. We talk about in our in our staff policy manual. We talk about you know things like you need to have shoes with a back, so you can't have you can't have um, flip flops and or sandals without a back and. Um, and you also need to be wearing a shirt that is at least a um, a cap sleeve or a short sleeve, and that's to model sun safety for the kids, which gets us away from tank tops or spaghetti straps or anything like that. Um, and beyond that, you know, we do have a staff uniform on arrival and departure day, and people are confused about what khaki shorts means, but I, which I find hard to believe. Like, <laughs> well, if they're below my knee, aren't those khaki capris? Well, those aren't khaki shorts then. Well, can I just wear khaki pants? Well, no, that's not the, you know, like those are the conversations. During the during the other times, um, what's on the shirt, what's not on the shirt, we, you know, our staff tend to police themselves. Um, and we don't have a lot of people that we have to, um, that we have to do or say anything to. Now, Dan's comment about tattoos and whatnot, we actually have a policy on, you know, tattoos and, and, and that's just that they should be, um, uh, they, they shouldn't be overbearing or whatnot. It's not going to prevent me from hiring someone. Um, body jewelry is another thing. When I was at uh, Wapamia, which is an all girls camp, they actually had a policy in place about, um, when you come to camp, that's what we would like you to look like for the rest of the summer. So, um, so on your day off, you're not going and getting a tattoo or you're not going and getting a new piercing because we've, we had staff who got their tongue pierced on a day off, then it got infected and then they had to take time away from camp yeah. and that's going to affect your overall job. So we just said, listen, for these two months, I get where you're at. That's awesome. 
let's let's go with that and um and then at the end of the two months whatever you do that's fine and then we'll we'll take it next summer when you come back so yeah we have that same policy it works really well and it's usually um infection that kind of stuff but also you don't want your you know your kids they go uh, staff go away on a day off and come back and you know their hair is now a completely different color it just it's not necessary it's not it doesn't help with your well, relationship with your children that's my there's a great story that when i was and i must i must have been a first or second year i must have been a first year counselor if not a cit and both of my brothers worked at camp that summer so i have two older brothers um, who are two and three years older than me and one night they decided to um, give a couple of guys mohawks so like it's not even like a day off. It's like kids go to bed, yeah. and the next morning my brother and another guy have have mohawks where it's not like short mohawks. It's you know it's it's a good length, and um and then kids were like, well, can you give me a mohawk? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and and, um, and it just it just started this whole. I remember the director and I was quite young at the time. I remember the director saying, listen, we can't do this because we don't know. We don't want kids going home saying, you know, I want a mohawk. And this is the late 80s, right? When mohawks represent something more than they do now. Because now it's just like, whatever, dude has a mohawk. In the mid late 80s, if you had a mohawk, it represented, you know, Anarchy. punk. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, disestablish, disestablishitarianism. What is that word? I'm not even sure. <laughs> that sounded good. Anti disestablishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean, I think it's what you're saying too, Joe. It's just uh, it's letting staff know at the very beginning what you expect. So even before they come, especially new staff, they just need to know what clothing is going to be helpful for them. So in the staff list, um, we write beside like for um, so for example, like when we do our, our waterfront search, um, new staff members don't know that we you everybody's doing the search unless you're like there's a reasons um that we've discussed why you won't be doing the search and not everybody's already in their bathing suits so you're stripping down to your underwear basically to do a waterfront search or a practice so besides some of the items we say like note purchase black underwear <laughs> because and it's funny and it's a running gag and fa uh, facebook is great for answering these questions but just like place those things um like you said you know shoes that have backs on them like we have a lot of roots up at camp and people uh, can sprain their ankles so this is why and just let people know why before and then when they get there just sort of yeah we say you ready to play yeah and we had um in terms of staff stuff we ours was be ready for an emergency so we changed the shoe rules same as joe i know camps that have to this day not allowed sandals um which was a, a big, big movement in the 70s. I remember that certainly when I was a kid. Um, I think with sports sandals and sandals that can, can <laughs> if you can do whitewater rafting on the Colorado River in it, then I'm pretty confident you can handle the roots and trees that we have around camp. Um, so we sort of got over that. But um, that came at a cost of um, a few foot injuries where people were not wearing backs on sandals, etc., so that that changed. I know that our policy was um, no beer or drugs on your or booze or drugs on your T-shirts, um, just to reinforce we were uh, a Christian camp and just thought, felt that that was part of the message of of what we had at camp. 
where I think it's difficult these days is um, is at the beach, and um, certainly culture changes over time. Um, I do remember us at some point having a, a women in one piece bathing suit rule, and I don't think that that would fly these days. So, um, so, I think um, that there are. Um, uh, I think that there are are bathing suits like clothes. There are bathing suits meant to be sexual, um, and there are bathing suits that are just bathing suits that have an element of how do we deal with this? Because here we are presenting a nearly naked body, um, and it's, it's a it's a hard thing to find the balance in that. The other experience that we had, and I'd like to I'll come back to bathing suits in a sec, Dan. I see you've got to add something yeah, to add yeah. to that. Um, the other problem that we had with was one time with a school group where we had grade eight girls um, who were showing up who were very sexualized, um, and it really made our male staff very uncomfortable. And we had to to seriously look at how we deal with school groups who don't really understand the culture of camp. Um, and how we get that message across. When you're a teen and you come to camp and you're one new kid in a cabin of seven kids that have grown up at camp, then the culture sort of corrects itself. But with school groups, it was hard to say. You know, we had girls who showed up the climbing wall just wearing a bandana for a top. Yeah. And the guys would be like, no, you're going home. You're going back to your cabin and change. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put a harness on you. I'm not going to be underneath you belaying. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. And away you go. Dan, what, what was your thinking on bathing suits? Uh, so, um, so I, uh, this topic comes up for us every year. We're a co-ed camp, or every few years, and um, it, 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 everybody has a, a very opinionated answer and ha- and is right for for valid reasons. Um, we have uh, stuck with two pieces, and um, the way we've gotten around the topic of, of comfortability and, and whatnot is that we um, we leave it at the um, waterfront director's discretion. Um, and, and especially if they're if they're female, if they're not female, then we appoint somebody else that works at the waterfront. It's discretion, and um, they have to um, uh, basically they we we bought rash guards. We bought like uh, we spent like hundred dollars on rash guards and alleviate all problems with waterfront. So if somebody didn't feel comfortable, or if the waterfront director would be like, oh, you know, somebody's staring at you, you should really put this on. And it was it was something that looked nice. It was um, it was something that uh, allowed for them to go in water. It wasn't making an example out of them because other lifeguards were wearing rash guards. But um, I think when you the the whole topic of bathing suits, you need to remember that every the the person that's putting it on um, deserves a lot of respect in that conversation. So absolutely, uh, regardless of what they're wearing. But yeah, yeah. Gab, you're grinning. I just I love it. it's a it's a, a topic that's a, it's just a, a sports uh, sports top and a sports bottom yep. if you want to wear a two piece or it's a it's a full suit. Um, it you know what we just went with uh, if you go to basically any pool municipal pool has their standards. There's no pool that has um, a string top um, bathing suit uh, two piece. If they do have a two piece, it's a sports. So you can go any pool um, will tell you where they get their their clothing from. Um, we just put links for the girls and say if you want to wear two piece, these this is what we're looking at. Um, and again, it's just ready to play. And it it's literally like, are you able to like, you know, move up and down and around and and you know everything stays put is basically what mm. we're saying. And and it's and you know you're on the job and. Um, and we say, by all means, bring your other bathing suits. 
if you want on your free time when it's uh, during um, siesta, it's during rest hour, you want to lie on the beach, fine. That's totally cool. So they all put on their different bathing suits, but we just say it's a sports, uh, and, the, and, the, and the rash guards are great as well because they're actually very useful too. Yeah. So, but and it, there's much like, more sense yeah, and there's a like you, 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 there's a sense of pride. Like I'm here to work, and everybody feels that. And uh, like uh, Joe said, it, it's part of your culture um, if you set yeah. it up right away. And so, yeah. Yeah. The other thing, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds in this, but um, but it, something brought it up, and and as a card carrying member of the tattoos and earrings crowd. Um, I've always thought it was funny, ironic, <clears throat> frustrating that despite having a, a fairly successful career in summer camp, there are camps that would not let me be their director. Um, because I have earrings and I have tattoos and at various points in my camp career, I've had my nose pierced, my eyebrow pierced, all of that stuff is just part of who I am and has been since I was a kid, since I was a teenager. Um, and I think those are just cultural things that have to happen within your camp and have to be communicated. So I don't want to get us into that too much. Um, <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, here's my opinion and we're moving on. <laughs> I like let's, it. Let's make another question. I like it. <laughs> Um, this one is great, and I thank Mark Perlman for this. Mark's been such a great supporter of Camp Hacker. I love the guy. Um, Mark's writing in from Israel, and his question, he works at a camp in the States, though, in the summer. Um, I mention Israel because I'm always so thrilled to have people write in from outside of North America, so thanks, Mark, again. Um, Mark's question is, how do you communicate with this generation? Um, how do you deal with a, a different generation than us? I mean, separated by 20 years from, for, for some of us in this call and separated by 10 or 12 years by others in this call. Um, how do you communicate in times of stress or need, needing to give direction? Uh, and Joe, I'd like to start you off with this. Communicate at camp or away from camp? At camp, during camp. Um, I let younger staff communicate. So I have a, um, the setup at camp and that it's been for me at Pierce Williams has always been that we have a, um, I have a summer camp director who is the main form of communication with my staff. So my staff know who I am. I'm the guy who hires them. I'm the guy who signs their paycheck. I'm the guy who is the overall presence at camp. But when it comes down to individual problems or challenges, um, I really let the, the university students who are my leadership team deal with those things because I'm a lot easier to talk to those university students who are on my leadership team. So if they're having a challenge, I can very much um, talk to them. And by communicate, it's it's more empathy. I can talk to them. I can listen to them. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of at the point where I can empathize with them, but I can also give them a perspective that is much more um, worldly or, or driven by experience. And so when I talk with my leadership team about those things, that's fine. Um, and when it's younger staff members, it's, those, it's the university students. If they can't talk with them, um, they'll come to me for advice and then I go back. But it, it rarely gets to the point where I'm directly 
um, dealing with drama issues uh, because we have a no drama policy at camp. So in in I'm not sure if that's the is that the answer? Is that did that answer the question from from our perspective? Is it? Well, I I think so. It's certainly, how you deal with it, which is what the person yeah. is asking. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know that it's a big concern for employers, people in business, how to deal with um, millennials and and their different needs and ideas and expectations of the work for, uh, workplace. Um, hey Travis, I think that your your mic is totally your mic is totally breaking up. Is that just me or is that you? That's, that's, I hear it. I hear it. Yeah. A little static. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Is this any, is better, this any now? better now? Nope. Nope. Worse. Yeah, what I, yeah, what I answer. answer. Do you want me to talk for yes, a, yes. about what I do while you fix your mic? Um, okay. So, um, so <laughs> for Frost Valley, um, you know, I, it's funny. I, I, this is a, a hurdle for me because um, I, I oversee. Um, Five different camp programs, and each camp program has roughly eighty to uh, well twenty-five to eighty staff in them. So um, I do not hire them. Um, uh, my my year-round staff do, but at the same point in time, they they want me to be involved, and I feel honored that they really want me to be involved. And that's um, and but to get that much face time with that many people, um, it's it's a lot. It's a lot of work, um, you know, and so. Um, this is something I, I, I continue to struggle with um, as time goes on, but uh, I'm very open in that sense. And I find when I when I do have communication with staff that they want me to be inspiring, um, or they want me to um, to really summarize what they're experiencing, or to let them know that they're doing a good job. And I'm, I, I joke, I'm kind of like Grandpa at camp, <laughs> where I'm like, yeah, come over here, bounce on my knee, make you feel better. And then I'll go tell your parents what's going on, and, and your parents <laughs> will go back and, and, uh, and help you out. And, and that's kind of what Joe's talking about in some ways. You know, I go back, so I'll, I'll make people feel good, and then I go back to their supervisor, and I tell them um, how, to, how to take care of them, how to, to, uh, to really look out for them. So that's, that's been my method, and it's worked. Um, you know, I, I think for me, you know, I always uh, – I, I remember when I worked at camp for a few years, and I worked for somebody for a while, and they didn't know who I was and how offended I was. And uh, I really want people to feel like they can come to me when they have an issue – if it's an emergency as well, and also feel like um, I'm part of the camp in, in some way. Uh, at the same point in time, I am not here to help out with every homesick issue. I'm not here to help out with every discipline issue. If I would do that all day long, I would never sleep because there's just so many issues that come with camp. So it's, and you know, I think I always take it for granted. I've been working in camping for, for so long that uh, I develop every year as a person, but that my staff they're still the same age group and they're still going through these same things. So I can't make all these assumptions of how I develop as a person with my staff um, because, you know, we will hire new people and they'll come in and, and all that stuff. So um, it's definitely a unique balance, but I, you know, it's all about the FaceTime in that sense. They, the, 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 uh, the time you could spend with your staff that you're not um, coming down on them on something um, or, um, you know, just being a human around them uh, is just so awesome. I I actually like I do my best to have, have interactions with people 
prior to something happening. <laughs> like, and I really, that's why I'm, I'm out more during staff training than I am during the whole summer, um, in that sense. Um, and, and for my, I think my family would comment that, uh, they see me less during the month of June than they do in August and July and August. So, but, um, yeah, uh, communication wise, otherwise we, we, um, we still hold the same meeting that we did from the seventies where once a week we get everybody, all the leaders in a room. That's an effective way to communicate, um, from top down as well. Um, and then uh, at the end of each camp session, so every two weeks, we'll have a, a big meeting. And um, as long as there's no issues, I'll, I'll be there and be making a speech of some sort. So, yeah. How's your voice, Travis? I don't know yeah. how it is. Any That's better? Good. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Better. Yeah. Right. <coughs> how about you, Gabby? Yeah. Um, I think it's like sort of an amalgamation of what Travis and Dan were talking about. Um, uh, I, I was just going to say that spend time with your staff at the beginning as much as possible and try to have common experiences with them. Um, Dan, you said something like the same meeting that you've been having since the 70s. I, I mean, there's a philosophy from a long time ago, which we still do today, which many camps um, share this philosophy is that, you know, when you're putting in the docks, the director, the owner, everybody's putting in the docks. Um, when you're taking down the canoes, you know, if you're fit enough, do that. But do do physical work with your staff and uh, let them see you on the same playing field with them. Because you know, do the dishes with them. Uh, you're gonna hear really funny jokes and you're gonna hear great um, uh, information and you'll they'll they'll really connect with you just on a simple and on that simple way. And also try to make time when they they have free time. Usually we use that free time as our prep time, but make that part of you know your experience and uh, very much what Dan, uh, Joe is saying is that I think a lot of directors do want to help out with campers but y you need to let your staff do that and you need to be there they can come to you and or your leadership team and you can guide them because they'll need that guidance but you have to take a step back so that they can learn and they'll report back to you and everything but um, uh, so I work I work with my mother and we're very different in the sense that um, she, she doesn't know what, what movies have just come out, you know, like Twilight. I'm like, I need to know this pitch perfect. I need, because if I don't understand this language, um, I'm not going to be understanding anything from this summer. And she's completely sort of out of the loop of that. And I think you don't have to try to stay within any trend whatsoever. I think it's, I think it's when you start disbelief, when you start thinking that this generation is the doomed generation or this generation is the you know they have no respect or they don't work hard when you start thinking that way I think that's when you need to put some work into connecting with them because it every older generation tends to do that and one thing that I learned from Jackie is that she's so open-minded um, when people come to her with ideas she really really listens and it might not be something that she totally understands um, but she trusts her staff so much and she knows them in the real sense that she'll implement certain ideas that she might not be connected in the cultural sense, but she believes in that generation. So I think it's really connecting is, it's not connecting with them that's difficult. It's, I just see people and I see people my age that are like, oh, this generation. And I'm like, wow, you've gotten old really fast, haven't you? It, it, that's scary. So I think it's, uh, yeah, <coughs> basically. I think that the one point I want to add on, the one point I want to add on is that I allow my staff, I do chapel every day, so they see me in a setting that is 
active and energetic and they see me doing something that's positive and the campers see that as well. A great story from last summer is that um, I'm rarely brought in on behavior issues, if ever. In fact, in eight years here, there might be three times over eight years where it gets to that level beyond this kid needs to go home. Once that, they just tell me this kid needs to go home. I'm like, okay, we'll make the call. But last summer there was a kid and, and there someone came and found me and said, someone's locked in the bathroom, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and I was like, okay, I'll come and do it. And so I ended up chatting with this young girl, probably, you know, 10 or 11. And, um, she's like, I don't want to talk to you. And I was like, okay, well then, but we need to figure out what's going on. And if you need to go home and she's like, well, all you do is play guitar. All the staff hate you. And I said, oh, well, yeah, they tell me that every day. And, and the funny thing is you have, you have two or three of the staff listening. They're within earshot of the conversation where she can't see. So they're listening to me talk to this girl and she's like, well, they only talk bad things about you. And I'm like, I know, no, they say that to my face. So I'm fully aware that the staff don't like me. And, and the funny thing is once, once I got through to this girl and we chatted and talked and, and I got the answers I wanted out of her and it took a while. The great thing is those three staff who heard, overheard the conversation will go back and, and they'll be like, you should have seen it. He was, you know, like they'll they'll take that experience and it'll spread through the rest of the staff to be like, Joe doesn't just play guitar, you know, he still knows what's going on. And I was like, okay, great, perfect, thanks, yeah. you know. And and at the next leadership team meeting, the those staff joked about it. They're like, yeah, yeah, we all hate you, and, <laughs> and just it's good to know that it's good to know that you know that we hate you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know, it's all good. <laughs> That's that's hilarious. You just do you walk around like this, like I'm here, I've got this. <laughs> I, I, it's all you need yeah. to do every seven years. <laughs> I've done yeah. my work this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's amazing how far street cred goes, though. You know those yep. moments where throw they throw down the mic and yeah. go home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like when I like, yeah. Wait, it's it's funny. You know, like. Uh, um, uh, I think my favorite thing about camp is that people don't call me by my first name. They don't say Dan. They say Dan Weir. Yeah. Like, uh, like it's a power name. Or something. Like, I just think of the Simpsons episode. It's like Max Steel or Max Powers. So it was Max Powers. Yeah. But like they, like Steve they Holt. never, they ne yeah, they never say my just my name, Dan. They always say Dan Weir. And it's like it, it's you know you become you become like a legend in that sense. We have those built up stories of, of the time that you said yeah everyone does hate me so what what, what are we gonna do about it it's good. you know or yeah. uh you know, <laughs> i got i got i i had to restrain a camper unfortunately last year mm. and um and and they uh and uh, the camper um camper was punching pretty hard and i took them all uh all the punches with no problem and afterwards um I was talking with the staff and uh, and the staff like I don't I just don't know how you like took all those punches and I'm like hey, guys I gotta be honest I'm in a lot of pain right now <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you, those are the things that make make you a legend at your camp and and it's those moments that will carry that respect they they will have much more respect for you in that moment and I'll carry for years than whatever whatever speech you give you know or. However many times you tell them they're just doing a good job. Yeah, let yeah. them know that you're that you struggle with certain things. Um, share your hobbies with them. Like, I I know both Joe and um, Travis are are very great musicians, and they don't hide that at camp. Um, and that's really important for staff because they can connect to not ne not necessarily that you can play the banjo or but that you're that you're excited about something, and that can be anything, um, literally. 
you know, but I think, I really think it's just trying to just have some common ground. Just spending time with your staff is really important and they'll be the, the caretakers of the campers and, you know, I just would yeah. watch out for that voice of distrust or, you know, that some people start to have as you do the job for a long time, it can get, you can get tiring. And that to remember that, as you said, uh, Dan Weir, that, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that the staff are the same. You're getting older with more experience every year and you are going to have to earn their trust every single every year. year. You're going to have to prove yourself. And that's good. Like that is part of our job. Um, they have to know that, you know what you're talking about. You'll have to do that every single year. Even if you did an awesome session three years ago, well, three years ago, most of your staff are either now on your leadership team or you're going to have to like show it again in a different way or whatever. But um, they're they're not as they're always going to be at a similar experience every single year. Very good. Thank you. Some great ideas. So thank you again for that question. Um, this other question comes from Kate, uh, but it really was echoed by a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of Camp Hacker newsletter people, um, and it comes around to marketing. There are so many pressures on our time as directors that um, we all know that we need to be marketing in some way and reaching out to new families. And Kate's question is, what is the most effective for the least amount of time? Um, and I, I think there are several parts of this answer, and I'm going to I'm going to take first crack at this. Um, the most effective for the least amount of time and financial investment is to get last year's campers to come back. No doubt, in my mind. The second most effective is for you to develop a way for last year's campers who had a great time to tell their friends about it and get their friends to sign up. And if you focus on those two things alone you can fail camp. I'm very confident in that. You have to be really strategic, strategic about what you put out in social media that those existing, or on your blog, your camp website, whatever, that those existing campers have something to share with their friends to say, this is my experience. This is how my child has changed. Um, to say, your kid would be great at camp. All those tools you have to provide for them. But in terms of efficiency, that's exactly it. Um, I think what the person's asking is about what social media network is the most effective, but I would start with returning campers and then um, your referrals. Is there, for many of you, is there something you would say has been the most efficient way of marketing camp? Dan? I, I, I think the returning camper um, that you just talked about, um, I think that, that is the most efficient way. You know, it, it really, the more you place on that relationship, and um, the the more likely they are to come back to camp, and and uh, and the word of mouth. You know, we so we uh, here's an example. We've been pushing early registration every year, just trying to get people to sign up a few weeks earlier every year. My goal is that we become one of these camps that down the line, you know, it might be a decade from now, but we fill in the fall. Um, and uh, we every year we gain more new campers that sign up in this September to December period um, when no one's thinking about camp. So um, last year um, we had two th uh, in 2012 for 2013 we had 19 in uh, this one. Um, you, we had uh, 
35 for uh, for 2014. So I, I really think that that's key. Um, they will get you the new the new families. Yeah, I think that I think that from my perspective, the best social media network for camp is camp. You know, the the idea that you have, you know, people say, well, people spend so much time on Facebook or so much time on Twitter or so much time on Snapchat. In reality, you have kids at camp 24 hours a day. For for us, it's five days for their their week at camp, and and staff, it's it's 24 hours a day for you know two months. In reality, the 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 most effective marketing for the least amount of time is to put put out the most amazing product possible. That's that's training your staff. That's giving them this this experience that is that is bar none. That the campers go home, and not only do the campers talk about, but the way you deal with parents goes home, and those parents come back and say, "This is amazing," because that's the best and most effective marketing. We talk about word of mouth, but we don't understand the i don't think any i don't think anybody understands truly how important word of mouth is to your success overall because if you did nothing else um but put it forward an amazing product and and gave those gave the consumers being the parents and the campers the most amazing experience then then you're not going to have trouble filling camp either but it's this whole idea that if you're, this is what we're going to put time into anyway. We're going to put time into camp because that's what we do. So when you're like, well, should I spend an hour on Facebook every day? I, I would suggest not because an hour on Facebook is is about 45 minutes too much. Um, in my, you know, it's it's one of these things where as an early adopter to social media, when, when Facebook first opened in um, 2007, maybe, fall of 2007, if I'm not correct, when it opened to the public and, and my staff were like, you got to get on. And I, I got on and I was like, okay, you know, and, and as an early adopter, I don't know what to share. I don't know what to, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's weird. And, and I think that, um, I think that we put all of our focus and all of our time and energy into camp and in, into that amazing experience and into not just, but into how we deal, how do we communicate, and and um, and those are overall things. It's not just one thing. And when we say how we communicate, it's it's in our talks with parents, um, because if a parent goes home with an amazing experience, they're going to share that. And if a parent has a an issue with you, and and they were called within an hour of letting you know of that issue, they're gonna you know they're gonna at least understand that you want that you're you're owning it and you want to accept it. Um, and so I, I think there's I think there there's a huge value in in the social media of camp, for camp, um, and that's sort of our marketing trick is we do other marketing, uh, we do radio ads locally and we do some newspaper ads and we do social media, but a lot of that is just more to keep our name front and center so that as uh, Joanna Warren Smith says, um, if if someone were to parachute down into it, anywhere in Elgin County. And say, hey, name a summer camp. The the camp I want them to be able to name is oh oh hey well there's Ferris Williams and <clears throat> and and we're getting to that sort of name recognition here and that's all we need. Yeah, um, yeah I, I like that. Do um, do you guys um, do anything uh, right after camp to to keep 
that feeling that that message fresh so that it, it gets to get them to registration time we send them um, uh, a card encourage um, saying good luck with school and then we also send a newsletter in the fall as well so and at Karen we um, we would have the counselors write a postcard home for those kids um, and set aside time in their day so they could write something really well that the kid definitely knew it was crafted for them mm-hmm. um, just as a way to reinforce camp um, and then reach out to them in other ways after. Cool. You go? Um, we send um, what we call camper care cards, which is a sort of a, a message written from the staff members and from the section head and a, a picture of their cabin group and a DVD of their experience, you know. Um, but right now what we're doing is we're posting a, um, a countdown to the new year of, and it's, um, I think it's like the top 20 reasons why Warrell staff love camp. So it's about, it's about promoting camp and not, well, of course it's about promoting Warrell and we're posting that on, on, on our Facebook. It's, I think it's starting today, but, um, I, you know, I think it's difficult. I mean, it's, it's hard to know. I totally agree with that philosophy that you need to have your, uh, your already your, the, the campers, the clients that you have, those are the ones you want to come back and you want their friends to come back. And then you're attracting the type of people that fit your, uh, your vision, I think. Um, it's just, I, it's always, I find it so, it's, it's, it's a, such a big topic and it's also how much time do you spend and, um, yeah, but I love, I always love hearing what, what you guys do because I think you're, you're sort of on it, so. But it's, yeah. it's about reinforcing that, I definitely agree. The other thing I think in terms of building that, and, and I, I need to be clear because my job is helping camps market themselves and, and it certainly goes beyond word of mouth. Um, and I think that there is lots of value in the d- different multimedia things you could do. They all serve different purposes, um, but I, you want to know what's most efficient. That's that's really efficient. Um, another thing that is an important part of that is developing the social proof of what your camp does, and um, that involves getting talking to families on closing day, shooting some video with them if they're super excited. Anytime that parents call you up and say, thank you, this is such a great experience for my child, uh-huh. then... Um, uh, it's such a great experience then- <laughs> for your child. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, bring her back. Just <laughs> <laughs> bring her back. Those of you who are listening Two only, seconds. we just saw Ruby yeah, come my, into, my into my wife the picture. Oh my goodness. Full <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, that's awesome. Oh. Everybody wave. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I want to eat her. She's so cute. I know. He's cheeks. Oh my cheeks. gosh. Adorable. <laughs> oh, you're going to eat the. Yeah. It's too bad she's so the sad for the podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no, no. She looks really cute. <laughs> there we go. Okay, bye bye, headphones. <laughs> no, yeah. Bye. I know. Oh, can I have that? Thank you. <laughs> Hi, my daddy. All right. Sorry, yeah. so uh, Travis. Right after camp, you need to get to those people and yeah. say, um, you know, what changes did you see in your child? How did camp affect your family, et cetera, when it's still fresh on their minds? It has to happen immediately. And try to capture that in as many ways possible. Videos in some sort of contest or incentive for them to send you a written something 
I know camps that keep a, a book of love, which is the cards, emails, etc., that other families have written in. And they keep that all together in a binder, and then they, they let that out on their social media stuff. All of those things enforce that most effective yeah. way of doing it. There, um, you know, uh, I heard this from a parent this summer. We, I email um, the cabin groups because uh, we do registration by grouping with age. And so I email um, the group uh, from the last season that some, it's filling up, uh, the camp is filling up, and that if they want to come back, that they need to reserve their spot. No, and I, it's just to a target group. So, for instance, our 10th grade boys for sessions two and three are filling up. And so uh, I have an email sent to the grade nine boys from last year. And, uh, I, you know, it ends up being a lot of emails because I'll send an email when it's filling up and I'll send an email when it's sold out. So then um, it encourages them. And I talked to a parent this summer and he's like, you know, I get a lot of emails from you. But at the same point in time, I really appreciate it because uh, if my kid didn't make it to camp and Hold out like they would freak out on me, and so when we look at surveys when they're leaving camp, like it's in the high nineties, the, the satisfaction amongst the kids, and if we only have a sixty-five to seventy percent return retention rate, that means that our business practices are missing the boat. It's not the kids' experience yeah. um, in that sense. So, um, yeah, my goal is to just get it get our camp to a point where people want to go to camp first, when I book their camp before they book their vacation, and not right. the other way around. I I also I also think I'm I'm not trying to plug anything, but I also think it is helpful to go outside your own organization and hire somebody to help consult with you uh, for marketing. I think it I think it gets us out of our out of our circle, out of our smoke, maybe, and yeah. gives a little bit of perspective. And I know that my staff have worked with Travis. Travis and I work a lot together, but I want them to hear um, somebody else talk and get them get some fresh perspectives and we've also worked with jo uh, Joanna Warren-Smith as Joe has mentioned but I really do feel that helps and um, it gives you different fresh ideas and they ask questions um, they say why do you do this and you're kind of like you know sometimes I'm like I don't know thank you for pointing <laughs> that out <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be doing this so I do think having somebody from the outside if you can if you you know, it's not that expensive, but just that perspective is actually very helpful. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you for your kind words, Gavin, yeah. and I certainly would echo. Um, <clears throat> there are definitely other consultants in the industry, um, and I wouldn't recommend ones that I don't know. Um, but I know Joanna, and she's a smarty, and yeah. we're pleased to offer her space on her blog whenever she wants um, because yeah, she's got a great way of thinking and retention is her big message yeah. um, and so you want information on that go to Joanna um, not that I don't do a lot of that work my own self but um, I encourage you to check out Joanna I have one question and I want to keep this one fairly short although it's a huge topic um, but yes. I'm going to actually yes. give the time That's to the, the question and I think we'll give up our tool of the week this week just to make sure that we get to cover this. Sure. Um, Laura from the Campros group wrote in and said, with all the media buzz about gun control, how is your camp handling your shooting sports programs? Um, how are you addressing parent concerns or are parents even concerned? So I thank you for that question, Laura. That's a great one. Um, I know there's lots of debates about policies about what happens if you have a shooter. Um, and I've heard that going on at conferences over and over, and 
that's not what we're specifically going to address today. Um, Laura's question is, do, if you have a, um, a shooting sports program, which could be anything, could be um, 22s or air rifles, or I know camps that have skeet, um, even archery or crossbows, um, could be a concern for parents. What would your answer be to a question to a parent who asks you that kind of question? Dan? Uh, yeah, so um, so I think it's um, it's important to point out how uh, how divisive this is. I, I, in certain ways, like um, uh, they're showing that archery is up um, dramatically, but yet um, parents are are freaking out about um, about shooting um, with 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 guns. So it's it's interesting uh, to be in this time where people are very concerned about workplace violence to the point where we don't want to educate children on on um, air rifles or, or guns, but at the same time, the top-selling movie is a is featuring a, a, a protagonist that is great at archery and um, and has has motivated people to to try it and to take it up. Um, I know a few camps that run great um, shooting programs. We do not run one of them. Um, I. I um, I, I choose not to run a program one because our demographic we pull from the New York City um, audience, and I know that they are very sensitive when it comes to um, to weapons, and so um, that's one of the reasons we do not is because I know it would not go over well with our families if we were at that program. And the other is I just don't believe that we could do it properly and safely um, to the extent that it would let me sleep at night. Um, and it's not because I don't trust people, but it's because I don't trust people. So, um, you know, I, I think we run quality programs at my camp and I'm um, fully confident um, in, in what we do and ACA certified and all that stuff. At the same point in time, I just, the what ifs, there's too many when it comes to a weapon, but we do have archery. Um, and I don't know if that seems um, hypocritical at all. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think uh, parents choose camps for various different reasons. And uh, it might be the interaction they have with one of your staff members. It might be the word of mouth. Um, some do choose camps based off the programs you offer. Um, and uh, I know a camp in Connecticut that started offering um, offering shooting uh, actually the year, but the summer before everything went down with um, the Newtown School um, uh, shooting about a year ago. And uh, at the time, um, the person was saying that, that uh, it was it was important to educate people on, on safety of it. And since then, um, he has, um, I actually don't know if he's running it or not anymore, but it was a new activity then. It would be really interested to hear his opinion on it. Um, but, uh, you know, Camp Flaming Arrow in, in Texas one's one of the best programs I've seen when it comes to shooting. And uh, a fun alternative might be slingshot. We've talked about adding a slingshot shot range, slingshot, and paintball. Um, so you're, uh, it's kind of getting the, the, the childhood aspects of it, um, but also limiting the danger in some aspects. But, yeah. So I think it's, um, I, I think, Laura, it's a, it's a great question, but we're probably not the right crowd because I don't think any of us have experience running and shooting sports. Um, I think other than archery, right, Gab? Oh, do you have archery? Yeah, we have we have archery, um, definitely. But I think I mean I. Uh, we were just talking before we started recording that the, the the difference between probably what American camps are experiencing and Canadian camps in questions from parents are probably significantly different, and um, um, you know, 
and I, I guess my answer would be I understand your concern and then explain our policies and also explain what kind of bows and arrows we do have um, you know those type of things and uh, but uh, yeah and I, and I think that, like you said also Dan that there's there's uh, some camps that do this very very well and and I, I definitely think there is a value in learning how to use a gun properly and how to shoot properly I mean I was taught by my father how to do that and it makes a lot of sense but that's also just a that's a you know a home value and not necessarily a business value but definitely you know any activity you do you don't want to do it because of popularity you want to do it because you guys are equipped to to handle it and it fits in your mission but maybe taking a program away that that might be uh, something that some camps are probably considering do you have anything you want to add joe yeah, we don't do a shooting sports program. At, we do archery, but um, I know that I'm involved. I sit on the board, uh, the planning committee for the Buckeye Leadership Workshop, and they uh, three or four years ago started offering the shooting sport program, um, and it's based on the 4-H shooting sports uh, model. So they actually bring a truck um, and a trailer, and, and the trailer, I, I thought it was one of the coolest things. So for shooting sports, it was a, essentially a, an enclosed trailer that that all the ammunition got recycled, and you're essentially just shooting into the back of this this trailer. Um, it's funny coming back from Australia. Um, guns were talked about with some of the camp directors. It just came up in conversation, and and um, Australia has a very similar to Canadian gun control policy, which is uh, control your guns, um, and and I think that. Uh, shooting sports is one of those things where we've we've talked about things like slingshot or talked about things like air rifles or air pellets, and it's just not. It, it comes back to what is our our program. So, I think from from the safety perspective at at Buckeye, um, one of the conversations that always comes up is, you know, is it safe? How is it being instructed? And what are we teaching the kids? And 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 the goal at at Buckeye in offering a shooting sport program is really to offer those uh, people who want to know um, more ideas how to instruct a safe program, right? So um, it's an interesting perspective because uh, Buckeye's always been about when when I lead a session, um, when anybody leads a session, you should be able to, you as an individual, if you attended, you should be able to go home and, and have some knowledge on how to instruct that session when when you when you leave so the shooting sports program covers archery and covers some uh, bb guns and whatnot it's, it's certainly not shooting 22s um at buckeye um because you're, it's one of those things in canada it's just simply won't fly in australia it, it wouldn't fly um and in certain um i know a director at a texas ymca camp um i won't mention him by name but um he, he has this belief that it, it's just not a program that that is camp um, but, but he understands that his clientele in Texas want that as a program. So, um, right. yeah. Yeah. And I've been at Ontario, Ontario camps with shooting sports, um, a number of them. Yep. And so it definitely happens in Canada. Um, I think that the larger discussion about, um, 
gun emergencies and stuff is is something that's a little um, different in Canada than it is in the States. So I don't know if we've been at all helpful, Laura. It sounds like to me, if I could synopsize it, it's, it's that you need to have good communication with your parents and you need to have a clear definition of why you do it. And I would say as someone who thinks about how camps talk to their parents every day, your first message needs to be, this is incredibly safe and here's why and how. Yeah. Um, and you need to be able to justify why you're even offering it to those parents. You have to I need to have that answer ready to go. It can't be an, um, well, uh, you know, it has to be ready if you're doing it. Um, but as long as you can show anything safe, we do lots of dangerous things at camp. Um, and it's one of the attractions of camp is that we can teach kids how to do these things on their own without parents and experience new things. And so... Um, I think shooting sports is just a, another thing that we do that's dangerous and we have to have the same sort of preparation for any of that. So I think that well, it definitely takes us to the end of our time. There are a couple more questions that we could go to. Um, I really thank all of those of you who took the time and sent in your questions. It was really great to be able to answer some of them pretty quickly. If you do have more questions, if you go to camphacker.tv slash questions, you can send them in to us, and we will get to them and, and cover them in topics. Um, <clears throat> I cover them in topics in future podcasts and shows. So thank you again to all of those who did that. We don't have time for our tool of the week today, but uh, what I want to do for just the last thing is to give everybody a chance to, to follow our co-hosts and um, follow the stuff that they do online and maybe a chance to reach out to them. Joe, what's the best way people can get a hold of you? Best way to get a hold of me is to uh, drop me an email, uh, which for the next month and a half or month and a bit is joe at yoyojoe.com. I'm on sabbatical, have been since November 1st and haven't uh, haven't touched my email. Um, but you can follow me at yoyojoe.com, Y-O-Y-O-J-O-E.com. And that has all of my social media stuff up in the left uh, right hand corner. Beauty. Thanks, Joe. It's good to have you back. <laughs> Gab, how can people follow you or reach out to you if they want a question for you, a follow-up question? Um, they can email me at uh, gabs, G-A-B-Z, at waro, O-U-A-R-E-A-U.com. Uh, or they can follow me on Twitter at um, Gabrielle Rail. Rails with two Thanks, else. Gab. Yeah, no problem. Dan? Uh, yeah, so I work at Frost Valley. MCA, which is frostvalley.org. Um, I tweet at Dan Loves Camp and also uh, blog at danlovescamp.com and I uh, have another site called unplugatcamp.com as well, too. That's great. Well, happy holidays to all of you. I hope you get a good break and spend some good time with your families. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Thank For you. those of you who want some show notes, um, you can go to camphacker.tv slash podcast, where you can also see other episodes. If you're one of the people watching us on YouTube, uh, I hope that you'll click right down below us and click subscribe or leave us comments there. We, we respond to comments on the blog and um, on YouTube both. So thank you very much for watching and thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Building great camp community at camphacker.org.